Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. You know, I don't know what you think about when you hear the word freedom. You'll have lots and lots of different um, thoughts and maybe images flowing through your head, you know, experiences that you've had. Um, Normally when I think about freedom, I'm naturally thinking about the things that that I've struggled to find freedom in. They've always seen the things that, that come first. But, um, but the dictionary has two distinct definitions of freedom. And the first one is this. It's the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants. Now, if you'd have asked me when I was 14, 15, 16, this would have been my definition. I was longing for the time when I could act um, to speak or think as, as how I wanted to without anybody telling me what I should or shouldn't be doing or where I should and shouldn't be going or what I should and shouldn't be thinking and I wanted to do what I wanted when I wanted with who I wanted where I wanted to do it and to me that was freedom but you know what that's not the whole truth because with that kind of freedom with that free will I can choose anything that I want to do at any time comes with its own set of consequences and pitfalls And I want to suggest to you this morning that that if we only live in this example and and this definition of freedom, that that ultimately ends up destroying the freedom that we're longing longing for and chasing after. I much prefer this second definition, which is this. It's the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. And that's the definition of freedom I want us to talk about and live in a little bit this morning. And that definition makes me think of this picture. Who knows what that film is? Braveheart, the wonderful Mel Gibson there, um, depicting William Wallace who led the Scots against the English in their bid for freedom. And he was captured by the English and he refused to confess to treason. And in fact, if you watch the film, his last dying shout is the word freedom, freedom. And that became a rallying cry for Scots people everywhere. And they defeated us English at the, the Battle of Bannockburn, which we don't talk too much about. Um, But you see, freedom is a really powerful word, isn't it? Um, It's been the battle cry of virtually every group around the world since the end of the Second World War. And back in the 60s with the Civil Rights Movement, which was led by Martin Luther King, um, that was their rallying cry. Does anybody know what's on his tombstone? What's on Martin Luther King's tombstone? Apart from his name, Andrew. (laughs) It is true. Ask a question, get an answer. Here, I want to show you what's on his tombstone is this. Free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. And everyone seems to be talking about freedom, don't they? We, at the moment, free trade, free movement, free markets, freedom of speech. But what about these freedoms? What about freedom of worship, freedom from want, freedom from fear? You know, President Roosevelt Um, a really famous American president, gave a really famous speech. And those are the freedoms that he spoke about in his address to the nation. And these are the freedoms that I really want to speak into. Because as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, they're the freedoms that I can access. And I've never thought about this, you know, but the word freedom is actually a noun. It's actually a noun. It identifies something. And freedom is a thing. It's a state of being. And the ironic thing is, is that freedom is more often than not something that has to be fought for. It has a cost. There's a cost. 
And when I was growing up, there were two people that really epitomized freedom. And, and these were things that went global across our nation. The first picture is this. Who's this? Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela, South African activist, 27 years in prison because of his struggle against apartheid. And then he was released. And I remember the television coverage of that day. It was global. It was a global moment of Mandela walking out of the prison gates and walking down the road. Do you remember seeing that? And, and being released. And then on the 27th of April, 1994, he was elected the president of the very country that had imprisoned him. Can you imagine what a radical change that was for this guy? He'd spent 27 years looking at the inside of a prison cell, fighting for something and fighting for a freedom, and then he finds himself surrounded by all of this wealth and servants and people doing what you wanted them to do when you wanted them to do it. What a radical change that was. Then the second guy that was covering my television screens was this guy. Anybody know who this is? Lech Wałęsa. It's the only Polish surname I can properly pronounce. And he was a shipyard electrician during the battle between Poland and Solidarity was the movement that he started and communism. And even though he only had the education of an electrician, as somebody once said, he led a movement, an, a, a, um, a countrywide movement. He was incarcerated several times, imprisoned several times because of trying to help liberate his country. And then, as soon as they broke free from communism and had elections, guess who that country elected to be president of their country? Lech Wałęsa. You could say that they both went from prison to a palace. But they started to enjoy the freedom that they had stood and fought for. And you know what? It's no difference for us as Christians this morning. You know, the Bible is, is full of these inspiring stories too. Joseph you know, went from a prison to a palace physically. And there's something incredible that God seems to do around this whole subject of prison. And this state of freedom that I think we need to capture and understand this morning. You see, I want to show you that freedom has a purpose. Freedom has a focus. And freedom carries with it this sense of like hope and real expectation for the world that we find ourselves in today. But first, we have to deal with the prison. We have to deal with the prison. We need to understand what we have been set free from before we can even begin to fully understand what we have been set free for. And I heard somebody explain it like this. He said this line. He said, Jesus came to set us free from yesterday and from tomorrow. Now, what was he trying to say? I think he was trying to say this. Because Jesus died on the cross, that one act set me and you free from yesterday. All of the mistakes I have made, all of the ways I've blown it, all of those faults and failures, and also all of the other hurts that people have caused me. And because of that one act of selflessness, where Jesus was literally crying freedom for the whole of humanity, I don't have to be bitter about what others have done anymore. Or angry. Angry about the hand that life has dealt me. Or live with regret from what I might have done, or could have done, or should have done. I am set free from my yesterday. 
But then Jesus has also set us free from tomorrow. Now, how do I know that? I don't have to live in fear or dread of what tomorrow brings and neither do you. Because Matthew 6.34 says this, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How true is that? So if I'm set free from my yesterday, everything I've done and feeling and things that people have done to me, and I'm set free from tomorrow, all my worries about tomorrow and what's going to happen next week, next month, next year, surely, guys, that only leaves me one question. And that question is, how can I or how do I live freely today? And when I say today, I mean these 24 hours that I find myself in. How do I live freely today? Now, as you know, we're using the book of Acts to track us through this series. And there's no better book that illustrates prison than Acts. The apostles, the disciples of Jesus, were put into prison several times. And you can read about all those instances in there. And Liam mentioned one last week, didn't he, when he he talked about Peter being in prison. I just want to say, if you weren't here last Sunday, and if not managed to track down the podcast, please do. It was an incredible message. It was an incredible message. But we're going to look at an instance later on in Acts 16, which has so many layers of freedom and imprisonment embedded in the characters involved in that story. So let's read it then, Acts 16. So once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for several days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Do you know what? I'm so glad that's in there. The fact that Paul became so annoyed. Do you know what that gives me hope? Because how many times have I done something and responded out of annoyance? May have been the right thing, but it's been out of frustration. And Am I the only one that actually works out of annoyance sometimes? Let's read on. When our owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews. And are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. 
Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. What an incredible, incredible story. And we're going to look at the three main characters in this story. The slave girl, Paul and Silas, and then the jailer. So firstly, the slave girl, she obviously wasn't free at all, was she? She obviously wasn't free. She was being controlled by people. She'd been following Paul and Silas around, shouting to anyone that would listen. But what she was shouting was actually true. It was actually true. But she got proper annoying. She got proper annoying. And Paul, out of sheer frustration and sheer annoyance, turns to her and deals with her. Didn't come from a place of heartfelt care. It didn't seem like for that woman. And we never ever hear what happens to her after that. But I think she was being exploited. And I'd love to say that that doesn't happen in our world today. But we know to our shame, as humanity does, she's being controlled and exploited. And all we know is that she loses her worth to the people who are her slavers. And it's those people that drag Paul and Silas to the court and have them thrown in jail. Actually, they're beaten and chained in the most innermost part of the prison. Probably the darkest and most miserable part. So here's the thing with the slave girl. Her freedom cost them theirs. Her freedom cost them theirs. And how many people in our history have lost their freedom for fighting for freedom that I now enjoy, that I'm now living in? Interesting, isn't it? This always seems to be a cost. So Paul and Silas get thrown into prison. And this is the really intriguing thing about Paul and Silas. They are seemingly free, even though they're locked in stocks. And just to give you an idea, Roman stocks were suspended by the ceiling. These aren't stocks that you go and have your picture taken in at Warwick Castle and put your head through and your arms through and have a bit of a smile, Jane. It wasn't those kind of stocks. These were suspended from the ceiling. And I think they were placed in the innermost part of the prison because if you read a few chapters before, all of the disciples were in prison and they were let go. So I think, going back on what Leon said last week about King Herod, you know, Herod being in charge and wanting to imprison them, I think he said to that guy, you make sure these guys do not get out. We don't want anything stopping, stopping them escaping. So they were locked in the innermost part of the prison. But they seem to have found a place, don't they? A state of being free to live in there today. And I don't mean they didn't care where they lived or died. Of course they did. I don't mean they didn't care about the restrictions they were in and where they were. Of course they did. They are restricted by their circumstances, yet they seem free from the worry about it. They are restricted by their circumstances, but they appear free from the worry about it. So how can this be? How can this be? And you could be sitting here this morning, and you could say to me, Jane, I'm not free. I'm chained to something, and there is nothing I can do about it. I haven't asked for it. I haven't invited it, but I'm chained to it. It could be that you've had a health report, or your job's suddenly been taken away, or you're in the grieving process somewhere. 
you feel shackled and chained to those external circumstances. So how can I be free? How can you be free? And actually, Jane, how do you know Paul and Silas felt free? They could have been just having a right old sing-along in there. How do you know? Well, what you have to remember is that we have the benefit of hindsight. We have the whole Bible. And the interesting thing is that most of the New Testament books that are after the Bible in the book of Acts were written by people who had not only had been in prison, but often writing the most encouraging words that we live off and feed off today from being in one. From being in one. And before we unpack that little bit, I want to give you three things that I think Paul and Silas did to maintain and help to maintain their state of freedom, being free in their today experienced. Here's the first thing. They understood what they could control when their world was seemingly falling apart. They understood what they could control. The second thing is this. They knew what they needed to do to get them through that day. And the third thing is they knew the hope they had for tomorrow. You see, although they were physically chained, they did the one thing that they could do unchained. And the Passion Translation puts it like this beautifully. Paul and Silas, undaunted, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God. You see, they chose to do the one thing they could do that would help them get through the experience they were in. And the one thing that would still keep them connected to the hope they had for tomorrow. The hope they had in their relationship with God. Were they still chained to their captors? Of course they were. Would their wounds have still hurt and been bleeding? Of course they would have been. But they didn't seem to be asking why it was happening. It was more what they could do while it was. They didn't seem to be asking why it was happening. It was more about what they could do while it was. And what a perspective changer that is. And what a challenge that is for me. Changing the question allowed Paul and Silas to gain a freedom of perspective that interpreted their circumstances rather, rather than their circumstances determining their perspective. And that's why we can sing songs like, I, it looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Their freedom of perspective. And is that your situation this morning? And I want to encourage you. Maybe you need to ask today, what can I control? What am I actually in control of? And then what one thing can I do today to get through this 24 hours? And I think that's all God is asking us to do. But it says that all the other prisoners were listening, doesn't it? And the power of what they were hearing made them lean in and, get, and they got their attention. And there's a great film called The Shawshank Redemption. I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you haven't seen it, please look at it. It's an incredibly moving film. And the scene with Paul and Silas reminded me of a scene in that film. And I wonder whether it may have gone something like this. Look at the screen. And the words of Morgan Freeman there made me think... Could that what it would have been like for the other prisoners with Paul and Silas? This is what the character read said. I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. I'd like to think they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. 
I tell you, those voices reached higher than anybody in a great place dares to dream. And for the briefest of moments, every man in Shawshank felt free. That is the power of our thanksgiving and our praise. And when people hear that coming from our lives, when they look at us restricted and, ch and seemingly chained and seemingly surrounded, could it be, could it be that we're giving them a moment like that? That we create a sense of freedom, of a state of being, And then the earthquake comes and all the prisoners actually found themselves free, which was a miracle in itself. But I think, I think this story is less about the earthquake and more about what happened afterwards. You see, Paul and Silas understood what they'd been set free from and also what they'd been set free for. Freedom has a purpose. And Paul and Silas are more than happy to engage in that purpose. And as a result, the jailer and his whole household found out what a freeing relationship they could find with Jesus Christ. So what about the jailer? Well, you see, on first inspection, the jailer seems to be the only one in the story that has complete freedom, doesn't he? He's definitely not like the slave girl. And he's definitely not shackled like Paul and Silas. But as soon as the earthquake happens... He thinks his only option is to kill himself. He exists in a system that would punish him for prisoners escaping, even when that was outside of his control. And yet Paul and Silas are still there. You see, the jailer appears free, but I want to suggest to you that he's the most bound in the whole of the story. And a situation that he should be in control over. Look at us comforting him, Paul and Silas. The jailer felt his life no longer had value. But here's the track through. Remember the slave girl? Her freedom cost Paul and Silas theirs. But here's the thing. Paul and Silas stayed behind and used their freedom to bring the jailer his. To bring the jailer his. There's a real purpose to our freedom. And it's at its greatest when it has purpose. Galatians 5.13 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, that's us, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love. Do you remember those two freedom definitions I talked about? You see, when we live for ourselves, when, when we live for doing what we want, when we want, where we want, with who we want, what we're doing is we're creating this indulgence. We become a people of indulgence. But when we live serving each other and helping each other, what that life is saying, it's no longer about me, but my life is about you. My life is about you. And I didn't share this at the 9.30, but um, um, I feel it's right to share it now. Some of you may not know, but um, I was a Bible smuggler in my dim and darkest past. Um, no, seriously, I was. Um, I saw a documentary years ago about uh, an underground church in Russia that, that had never shut its doors through communism. And so I, I was a new Christian. You know when you're a new Christian, you, you don't think things through sometimes. You just do it. And sometimes I think I've lost that, that sense of just going and doing. And so... And myself and my friend um, decided, wouldn't it be great if we, we could took some, take some stuff to these people? 
and um, we didn't know where it was. We hadn't got a clue where we were going, but we, you could only book flights with Thomas Cook then. Um, that's ironic, isn't it? Um, but you, couldn't, you could only go into Russia under a, a, a known, you couldn't just wander in. Um, and it was in the days so when you flew into their airspace, they'd take the newspapers away because they didn't want people to know what was going on in the rest of the world. And, and literally all we had in our suitcases was a change of clothes and it was full of Bible translations and other things of luxuries that we would, they would consider luxury but we wouldn't. And our suitcases were packed full of this stuff. And, and when we, we were taken off the plane by, by armed guard then and, um, and everybody's suitcases were ripped to pieces. Everybody's stuff was pulled out. And I'm looking at my friend, I'm thinking, this wasn't such a good idea, was it? I could literally be in prison here. I didn't think this through. Mummy, it was all of this kind of thing. And, and we let, and literally, we were the only two people they let through. Didn't touch our suitcases, didn't do anything. We just went straight through with this stuff, got to our hotel, did a few of the touristy things because we had to, but then we had to find this church. And all we had was, um, was a name, was a name. We'd managed to find out a name. And, but bearing in mind, it's a Cyrillic alphabet. I'm not too, I don't know how your Cyrillic is, but mine is pretty poor. And so we got off the metro in Moscow and I hadn't got a clue where we were. And it was pouring with rain and I was getting really de- disheartened and, and sort of um, really upset that we'd come all this way and we couldn't do the thing that we felt God was asking us to do. And then this woman came and she said, are you looking for this place? And, and we said, yes. And she went, I'll take you there. And she walked us to the door. And I kid you not, it was like the door of a house and you wouldn't think there was anything there. And we knocked on the door and a guy opened it and the whole thing sort of split back into there, the baptistry and pews. It was the most incredible thing. But the, the, mess, the thing I'm sharing this for is, is, yes, God was in all of that story. But when we walked in and we sat down wet and bedraggled and exhausted, we sat under a picture of Reinhard Bonnke that got a big a big thing of Ronald Bunky, and the big thing was freedom written across it, freedom written across it, and this, and this old Russian guy who didn't speak much English came to us and, and said, are you tired? I was like, I'm really tired, and he said, you can never be tired when you're fighting for freedom, and I thought, do you know what, here is somewhere seemingly restricted by rules and conducts and laws of their day, but they'd never shut their doors. Living in the freedom that they'd found, this state of being, of a freedom that they found in their faith that I've never, ever forgotten. Never, ever forgotten. And to be told off by, some, by a Russian guy about not being tired in fighting for freedom. Do you know what? He was right. Because I'm living in the freedom that people have fought for for me today. Therefore, haven't I a duty and a responsibility to work in the freedom and for freedom that I find myself in now? And I just want to encourage you, as we're going to take communion together, there are two really important questions we need to answer. And when I think about freedom, that is always a story that comes into my head about my Russian friends. They knew what they were free from. And they knew what they'd been set free for. So I'm asking you those questions this morning. Free from what? And free for what? You see, Jesus offers us a new life. And I want you to know what you're being set free from. Because until you understand that, we'll never fully grasp what we're being set free for. Do you know this morning that you've been set free from your yesterday and from your tomorrow? Do you have an assurance about that? 
And yes, I may drift back into that and it may cast a shadow over my life. But do you know what? Deep down, I know that I have been. And with all authority and all assurity, I can say, I have been set free. I have been set free. And because of what Jesus did, you can know that reality and that freedom today. And so I want to encourage you. If you've never found that, if you've never taken that step, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never experienced what that freedom can be, you can do it right now. You can do it this morning. Speak to the person that you've come with or people that you know here in the church. They'd honestly be falling over themselves to lead you to that relationship with Jesus Christ. But what if you're struggling with the freedom to live in your today? What might have you changed and imprisoned? Well, do you know what? Because of what Jesus did, we can find that truth again too. Our faith can make it so external circumstances and change do not prevent you from singing. Do not prevent you from singing. Do not prevent you from from singing and praising and praying to God the things that Paul and Silas did. Because you know who you are. You know who you're connected to and you know who loves you. But you might say to me, Jan, I don't feel like I'm in a prison, actually. I don't see myself chained to anything. Well, how about think about some of these things. These are some of the things that we can slip into. Maybe you're captive to a clock and a calendar. You know, can your schedule easily be altered or broken into? What about the prison of working all the time? You know, you don't like taking breaks. You never take a sick day. You work all the hours you can. Has your job actually become a prison for you? But maybe there's a fear or a hurt that you're carrying or you're holding that prevents you from trying something new or stepping out again. Do you know, these are all prisons that can keep us chained and stop us finding that state of freedom. And I'm asking the guys to come back. And if you're still not convinced about the power and purpose of freedom. I want to read something to you that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi where he had been imprisoned from a place in Rome where he was in prison. And this is what he said from the message translation. I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers here and everyone else too found out that I'm in jail because of this Messiah, this Jesus. That piqued their curiosity. Interesting word. Remember what Leon preached and talked about last Sunday about the power of curiosity. Piqued their curiosity and now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever. Speaking out fearlessly about God, about the Messiah. So what's our response going to be this morning to this freedom that God offers? How are we going to live freely today? And as you come out to take communion, when you feel that you want to do that and the service will serve you, do you know what you've been set free from? And do you know what you've been set free for? And as we engage in that one act of selflessness, that cry of freedom that Jesus gave for the whole of humanity, 
let's also remember that we are celebrating, guys, celebrating the greatest prison break that ever happened in the history of our world. So I want to invite you to come and take communion. And I'm just going to pray. And then feel free to come and do that while the guys play. Jesus, I want to thank you for the freedom that you bought for me with that one act of selflessness of going to the cross. And because of that greatest ever prison break, Father, I can live in that freedom today. Whether I feel surrounded by things that would externally keep me tied down and keep me shackled. Father, I will choose to do the thing that I can do today. The thing that I can live freely in today. And God, where that is a struggle, where that is a hurt, where that is a pain, with that as things that are outside of my control. Father, I thank you that we are never alone in those circumstances. But you can, you can lift that sense of our being that we can sing and we can praise and we can pray and we can have that state of freedom within ourselves that it can become such a testimony to somebody else. So would you help us this morning to understand and to stand in what we've been set free from and to move into and to walk into what we have been set free for. Would you help us do that, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name. So let's take communion together, guys. And let's celebrate that moment that makes living free today absolutely a possibility.